0: Welcome to Uriah Heap, The Magician's Podcast! I'll be covering every studio song the band has recorded and every bonus track that I can find. Each week we'll go over a new song from the beginning to where they are currently, and as they keep adding albums, I'll keep adding shows! Let the deep dive party begin!
1: In the magic garden, some were singing
0: Hello and welcome to Uriah Heap, the Magician's Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I got a double dose of Heap for you guys today. We actually have two really quality versions of this song, and I'm just going to give you a little background on it. The song is called Been Hurt from the album Conquest. And from the official Uriah Heap website, here's what it says The first released version of this song was recorded at the Conquest sessions in 1979 with John Sloman on vocals. This version was released as the B-side of the Carry On single. Now, there was an earlier version that was recorded at the so-called Five Miles Sessions in 1979 with John Lawton on vocals, but this version was not released until the Conquest Remastered CD in 1997. The lyrics differ slightly on different versions. So that is the background. There is a, a you know a bit of a recognition that this five-mile session thing did happen. Obviously, we've heard some proof of it. And uh, this is actually, when we get to the second version, the version with John Lawton, it's actually a pretty good quality version. So um, let's get to the r- official released version from the actual Conquest album, this one featuring John Sloman on vocals. Here is Ben Hurt. this song just kicks right off, doesn't it? First of all, fantastic mix so far. Uh, The bass drum is nice and punchy. You can hear the snare. The bass guitar sound is fantastic. I love the style that Trevor's playing here. It's very funky, but man, it sounds good. It's got some little, uh, you know, uh, string bends in there and stuff. It it just really, really pops. Uh, Guitars sound phenomenal. This is really off to a good start. And, And it's just a cool, groovy beat. know, if we're going to keep getting guitars playing this well, I don't think we need vocals at all. That's some great playing from Mick. I'm pretty sure it's Mick because it's a little bit to the left of center in my headphones. Uh, Really nice style, though. Love the sound of the guitar. Love the feel of what he's playing. Definitely suits the song very well, but stands out. Um, Very nice. Well, so far, I have no idea what he's talking about, but what I can tell you is how good it sounds. I really like the sound of his voice on that. He's not getting too crazy, too animated vocally. He's actually staying in a very nice space right here that I think suits his voice very well. Uh, The guitars sound fantastic, I'm pretty sure I'm hearing two, one slightly to the right, one slightly to the left, not hearing any organ or anything in the background. So I'm guessing that Ken's playing guitar on this as well. Um, Drums sound great. Bass is just tearing it up. I, I really, Trevor Boulder, for me, on this album has really just come alive. You know, I didn't think too much of him uh, when I first heard him, you know, joining the band. But uh, it, just because he was playing very root stuff, very simple, um, very comfort zone, which just changed the dynamic of the band so much because we're used to hearing the bass players just being, you know, really wandering and experimenting sound wise. Uh, but he's really come into his own, especially on this album. I have to say, we heard a little bit of it on the last album, but this album, he's he's just really going for it, and I love it. I love the way his bass sounds. You know, there's the way you play it and the way it sounds, and I'm I'm a big fan of both, especially on this song. Ah! Well, I had a couple things I wanted to say about the chorus, but, you know, the guitars came in so quickly and, you know, we have one rule on the show. We do not interrupt a Mick box solo. We just don't do that. Um, I have, but we don't do that. Um, the chorus is actually really nice. One thing that I've noticed on the last couple of albums is that they really have dialed back the amount of reverb that they use on um, the chorus, uh, you know, with the, with the group singing, it used to be a ton of reverb and now they've really dialed it back and it makes it sound a little more commercially acceptable. I want to say for like radio play and, and, you know, pop charts and stuff. They tend to have certain levels of things that they really attract and and things that they don't. And I have to say that they've really dialed it down to a much more commercial radio playable sound as far as that goes. I'm not saying one's better or worse than the other. They're just different and it really goes down to personal taste. But I have noticed that there is a big difference. And uh, overall, though, the sound of the band really does sound nice and clean. They're getting pretty good mixes. I always have a slight issue with something either the bass is just a little too loud the kick drum's just a little too quiet but they're they're really you know close to perfection most of the time and this song so far just sounds absolutely fantastic the only thing I would want um just to be able to maybe differentiate the guitars is to just uh spread them maybe a little more out towards the left and right only because Uh, there's no organ. So I'm sure Ken is playing guitar, it would be just nice to hear a little bit of separation between what he and Mick are doing. But the sound blended together really sounds good, too. So, you know, again, it really comes down to personal taste. And if you're one of those people that needs to know who's doing what, um, for me, you know, like I always say, it's the band that makes the song. It's, it's the collective, not the individuals, although the individuals do have their moments to shine. Um, but yeah, this is really cool. And then that solo is just, you know, it's just such great work. And I love the sound of it. Um, blends in really well. Very tasteful, as always. Um, you know, uh, I, I could never ask for anything more when it comes to a Mick Box solo. Well, coming into that uh, verse, it seemed like that one high Tom was just a little bit distorted. So I don't know if maybe the mic was clipping or what, but it sounded just a little bit off to me. Um, but overall, I like the feel, uh, I like the feel of it. Uh, another powerful verse. I really like that John is just singing straightforward here, that he's not um, kind of being you know, his, uh, his colorful self. I want to be supportive of it because I, I like what he's doing. I don't think it always fits. I think it's one of those things that if you... If you sing that way here and there or on a song or a couple of songs, it's fine. If you're doing it all the time, it might get a little annoying depending on the listener. Um, I like his sound, but I really like this. I think he he just sounds so strong singing straightforward. And it's really pleasing to my ear. I think it fits the song well. So I like that he's he's dialing the, uh, the color back on this a little bit. Uh, and I think it fits in really well with the backing vocalist too. Uh, it just really seems to hit on all levels for me. You know, it's really amazing listening to the backing vocals in this section come in and and just make an appearance. They're just doing a light ah in the background and you almost don't notice it start. You just feel like the song just sounds really big. And then when they stop, man, does it empty out that that area? It just changes so much that one simple thing that they're doing. And it's not even hugely in the foreground. It's really kind of in the background. So it's it's just amazing how one sound can make such a difference in a song. Um, but I really like this. It's very powerful. I liked that There was a change There, I was just thinking that there's got to be a bridge or, or, or an alternate part or something coming at some point. So I was glad that they added that because I, I was starting to think it was going to be just a little too straightforward of a song. But that was a nice change. Very uh, ex- hopeful, hoped for, uh, but not expected. So uh, we move on. You know, I was just thinking that maybe part of the reason that there isn't as much reverb in the backing vocals is because they were planning on brick wall limiting. So knowing how that might sound with too much reverb might be a reason to dial it back. I can't say for sure that that's what happened, but I certainly think that might be possible because as you're pushing the envelope on all the frequencies, you would also be pushing the envelope on the reverb. So that might be a reason to have, uh, have it backed off, but also thinking about, you know, the, the year at the time and what's going on in music, it was very common to have a nice clean sound like this as well. So hard to say for sure, but I think it works. You know, I think it really fits the song. I don't think it would fit all the songs that they do, but I think on this song in particular, it does work very well. And of course, you know, another her run from Mick box, uh, gotta love it. Gotta love it. Even if you don't, you do. Yeah, I like how they changed the drum fills, uh, the positioning of them. That was kind of a nice surprise. I think it uh, gave a nice little change to the dynamics of the song, but pretty cool. You know, a nice, straightforward song, uh, easily radio playable. i glad that they were able to release that. Um, I think that could have been an A-side personally. Um, now, it's it's a little bit long. They could have chopped a little bit out of it, but for the most part, I mean, easily that could have been a radio playable song. Now, the alternate version that we're going to listen to from the supposed five mile session is the one with John Lawton, not John Sloman. And it goes a little bit like this. Well, you can certainly tell the two different styles of the vocalists. I mean, on this one, um, very simple and straightforward on the John Sloman version, and of course on the John Lawton version, uh, he comes in almost right away with vocals and, and does what was what has been traditional on the last album, the Fallen Angel album. So it, it kind of you know makes sense that he would have continued on with that, um, but certainly a different, completely different style. Well, sound-wise, it really is a good version. Um, It's nice and clear. It's got a good mix. We've got Lee Kerslake back on drums, I would imagine. Um, But it sounds good. Now, I do see some differences to the backing vocals. Don't sound uh, quite the same. They sound a little more... I don't know if demure or laid back maybe is, is the right way to say it, but they don't sound as excited and, uh, and, and, assertive as they do in the actual release version from conquest. And again, this was probably just a demo wasn't necessarily meant to be a final version. So they could just be, you know, filling it in to say, here's basically what it's going to sound like. Let's decide what we want to do with it. Um, but either way, I think it sounds really good. Um, John Lawton, the thing about him is that he really fills in so much of the sound. You know, it's almost like, um, I just want to let you know I'm still here. And he'll he'll find something to put in there. Even if he's not singing, then he'll put in some oohs and ahs or just some, you know, some riffing. But uh, he's got such a good voice. It fits in with the song so well. So you really don't mind it. But then it gets weird when there is a place without vocals because it's almost too empty. Kind of like what we experienced in the uh, in the, in the, the uh, actual studio version of the song, where you know we had them going ah in the background, the the uh, backing vocalist, and then all of a sudden it wasn't there, and the song felt very empty. I kind of feel like that with John Lawton, too because he doesn't give a lot of space. So when you do have that space, it's it's a little more shocking. Yes, just, just yes. Well, I- I really like the way that both singers seem to put um, their own passionate spin on the song. I like the way that this last section has sounded, um, you know, the verse, because uh, the way that they layered in the extra vocals there sounds really pleasing to me. I've said before I love when John Lawton does that, and I love when John Sloman does it too. I think he, he, he complements his own voice very well when they do, um, you know, doubling or a harmony and uh it's just got a good beat to it the bass is still i mean it, the song was basically written it's basically the same song with a slightly different um you know style to it based on the vocals but you know what trevor's playing what lee's playing is really good um just a solid song with uh you know it, it just feels like they're so cohesive on this one My- That, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the reasons that I love listening to Mick play because he just plays so beautifully for the song. You know, this doesn't need to be an incredibly flashy or, or, you know, crazy solo. It just needs to feel good. And that's exactly what he gave us here. Absolutely perfect. I did hear a weird little flutter in my right ear towards the beginning of that solo, just a few bars in. Uh, I'm not really sure. It sounded like almost like somebody dropped something and it kind of rolled a little bit um don't know what that was could have just been you know in there and since this was a demo and not a final version of a song uh, might not have bothered to worry about it but it's it it, uh, it added something kind of out of the blue for me but um but yeah great soul i love the way that the band backed him um just playing some really interesting stuff going in directions that you wouldn't necessarily expect and that's what this band is so good at you know among many other things of course That's what I mean. He's just filling up all the space. And it's great because what's coming out is what he feels. I don't think he feels necessarily like he has to do that. I think he's just so, you know, impassioned by the music when he's singing a song that that's just what the product is. And that's okay, you know, it works great for what he's doing. And his voice is is, uh, fantastic. And uh, really nice to hear Lee back on the drums and hear some of the fills that he's doing as compared to what Chris Slade did. Uh, Somewhat similar, I would imagine that, you know, Chris and John had heard their uh, predecessor's versions and, um, you know, kept somewhat true to them. But uh, it is great, it's a really good song. Trevor, I, I can't compliment enough on this song, both versions. He's just rocking it out, absolutely fantastic. See, this is the kind of repetitive that I don't mind because this really feels like, even though you know, he's talking about being hurt, the feel of it is really kind of a party. It feels like everybody's there. You got a really groovin' bass line, you got solid drums playing, you got a great riff. Um, just kind of feels like this could go on for a while, you know, everybody's just hanging out in the park as the sun goes down, just jamming on the song. And so I, you know, I'm okay with uh, a little bit of repetition in a song like this. And part of that too is because, again, you know, John um, John Lawton's just riffing, and uh, you never know where it's going to go. It's not like it's just repetitive. Also, the backing vocals change a little bit here and there too, which make it a little more interesting. Um, but it's just just such a great groove on the song. Now, the uh, the Lawton version is actually quite a bit longer than the Sloman version. But, uh, but both are very good. Um, Again, I could see this version as well, having been played on the radio, Um, got a lot of passion in it, got a lot of great stuff. So uh, another, another great double header as we uh, are getting close to wrapping up this very confusing conquest season. (laughs) It's been a blast, though, I have to say, Uh, really interesting too to hear such dynamically different versions of the same songs, just based on basically changing out two players, but also other things could have come into play. The record company could have heard the demo and said, no, we don't want you to do this, we want you to do that. Or the producer comes in and says, you know what, let's change it to this or let's do that. And I mean, there's a myriad of reasons why they could be different, but I think most of it in these cases that we've heard on this particular album, I think really come down to the musicians and just the way that they feel the song. I could be wrong. That, that's my speculation. Let's let's be honest about it. But that's what I'm getting out of it because as I'm hearing each song, I'm hearing the differences really just coming from the different players and how other people in the band react to those players. So it's pretty cool overall, though. I'm really enjoying it. It's been a great season. We got a couple of shows left, though, before Conquest is over and we move on to Abominog, which uh, is another album I'm looking forward to getting to. But that will do it for our show today, guys. We'll see you on the next episode. I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Cheers. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Uriah Heap, The Magician's Podcast. If you have enjoyed this show, please consider going over to Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast outlet, leaving a rating or a review. Be sure to subscribe to make sure that you are notified when new episodes are available. Please be sure to share this podcast with your fellow Uriah Heap enthusiasts and anyone who you think would like Uriah Heap, which should be everyone. And if you are so inclined, please feel free to contribute to the Patreon account. And if you are not a Patreon subscriber, you can also pay through the PayPal link on the website listed in the show links below. I would also like to thank Uriah Heap for their very generous support of the show. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Happy days!